It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Tuesday. Welcome in Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. It is Tuesday, August 9th. Ah, football's right around the corner. John Hale, Lexington Herald leader. That's right, John Hale from the Lexington Herald leader, no longer with the Courier Journal. Will join me in about uh, 15 minutes. We'll talk uh, all things UK. He is now the beat writer for UK sports for the Lexington Herald leader. And we will talk uh, Kentucky basketball. They open up their Bahamas tour tomorrow against the Dominican Republic national team. 7 o'clock on SEC Network. All four games will be televised on the SEC Network. What does John Calipari want to see from his team? Who plays? Who doesn't play? Any idea John Hale might have on the level of competition going into this little exhibition series? We'll talk about that. Football right around the corner. Kentucky football. They had the media day last week. Not a lot of mention of Chris Rodriguez. In fact, uh, no comments were thrown around when the Rodriguez question came up. Will he play? When will he play? Is he practicing? I believe he is. We'll see uh, if John knows any more than we do. All that in about 15 minutes. M&M Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450, 384-1450. That's the number to get in touch with the station and uh, be part of the conversation. If you'd like to text your thoughts to the show, that number is 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. Don't forget, it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer long. Grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe it is a two-step process. Open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon. That's it. You are entered to win. That's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, many more. Just use your Refreshing Rewards card when you do that. That is Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, become one today. Text REWARDS to 80313 that's rewards to 80313. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502 414 lot to get to today. Bats uh, had a day off yesterday. They're still on the road in Iowa tonight. I, I love these game times. 738 first pitch tonight. 738. Not 737. Not 739. 738. Pregame, I'm going to guess 705. We're not going to go into the uh, you know digital age here. We're not going to go seven oh eight thirty, right, Jim? Seven oh five. All right, seven oh five pregame with Nick Curran live from Iowa City. The Iowa Cubs first game of a six game set with your Louisville Bats. I was wrong last night. I told you the bet was the Reds. All right, I thought the Mets would have a little bit of a letdown after. Um, Knocking off the Braves four out of five games. The uh, Reds with an unknown Justin Dunn pitching. He gave up a first-inning home run to Starling Marte. The Mets cruised behind Chris Bassett five to one. My bad. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take full responsibility for that when the Reds are in New York again tonight to take on the Mets. We'll talk about that. Uh, Yankees lose another starter. Uh, Giancarlo Stan's been out. Now Matt Carpenter breaks his foot. He fouled a ball off of his back leg and broken foot. 
Matt Carpenter hitting 305 in a uh, sort of a comeback year for him. He had a couple of bad years there late with the Cardinals. 305, 15 homers, 37 knocked in, a 1139 OPS, which is outrageously high. But he is done now with a broken foot. Uh, the Yankees were able to beat Seattle 9-4 last night. Cubs are going to part ways with Jason Hayward. It's about time. Hayward, remember, signed that eight-year, I don't know, $180 million contract nine, uh, seven years ago. The Cubs are going to let him out of this final year. He's he's out for the season right now, probably won't play in another game for the Cubs. He is one of the last guys left from that 2016 World Championship team. We'll talk about some golf, a couple of uh, golfers now, a couple more golfers, Australians, are now alleged to be joining the Live Tour. However, both of these guys are scheduled to play in the FedEx St. Jude's Classic this weekend in Memphis, the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, They're on the roster. They're going to play. They are signed into play. They have not told anybody, at least publicly, that they're going to join the Live Tour. So as of now, Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, Eligible for the playoffs and in the field this week. I don't know um, what the PGA is doing here because it's an Australian report that came out and said, yes, these guys are gone. They're going to the Live Tour. Golf Week reported it. So if you're the PGA, I guess you can't do anything until they come to you and say, hey, we're going to go join the Live Tour. This is our official notification. Until that happens, you're still on the PGA Tour. You still got your PGA Tour card. You're still eligible. Eligible, easy for me to say. You're still legible to play in the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. So it looks like Cam Smith and Mark Leishman will tee it up on Thursday. We're still waiting to see what happens with this uh, temporary injunction that may or may not allow guys like Taylor Gooch and Matt Jones to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Guys that have already gone over and played on the Live Tour. So we'll see with that. The Bengals have a new stadium name. We'll get to that. One, the uh, Maybe the greatest female tennis player of all time. And when I say maybe, I probably shouldn't even say maybe. Serena Williams is going to hang it up after the U.S. Open, which uh, starts here within the next couple of weeks. She wants to have another baby. She is 40 years old. She has won 23 majors, going to try to win her seventh United States Open. Coming up. And she said, I want another baby. And you're either two feet in or you're two feet out when you're playing professional tennis. And it's time for me to be two feet out. So the U.S. Open will be the last tournament for the great Serena Williams. I th- you know, greatest female player of all time. You can argue Martina Navratilova. You can, uh, you know, have a special place in your heart for Chris Everett. Steffi Graf was great in her years. Venus Williams was fantastic first, but Serena Williams is the greatest women's tennis player of all time. Going to hang it up. Just makes me feel old. When I read that Serena, I said to Siri, and don't I hope my app doesn't open up there because when you say it, it usually opens up. I said this morning, how old is Serena Williams? And when I saw 40, it's a jolt to the system. It is. Because I remember when she was just a little girl and playing in junior tournaments, and her and her sister, oh, they're the next big thing, yada, 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 dad's crazy, yada, 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 and now she's 40. Yikes. I'm just old. 
We begin today with uh, Kevin Durant in the NBA. I didn't have a whole lot to talk about today, and then Kevin Durant comes along yesterday and says, here you go, here's something to talk about. He wants out of Brooklyn. Or the ultimatum that he's given the ownership is fire Steve Nash, the head coach, and fire Sean Marks, the general manager. Or trade me. Now, Kevin Durant's got four years left on his contract a contract that he signed after he handpicked Steve Nash to be the coach. Steve Nash had zero coaching experience other than coming to work out with Kevin Durant when he was with the Golden State Warriors a couple of times a week. That's it. But apparently those workouts were so good that Kevin Durant thought Steve Nash would be a great coach. If you watch the Celtics and the Nets in the playoffs this year, a series, first-round series, the Celtics won it, four games to none, it was a coaching mismatch. It wasn't so much a talent mismatch because the Nets had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But it was a coaching mismatch. Ime Udoka of the Celtics coached circles around Steve Nash. Steve Nash is just not an experienced coach. And that is the only series you had to watch to say, this guy can't coach. And he made this other guy look like the look like uh, Red Arback, look like Pat Riley, look like the greatest coach in NBA history. A rookie coach in Ime Doka looked like a Hall of Fame coach because he coached circles around Steve Nash. Now the owner of the Nets, Joe Sy, billionaire, came out on Twitter today and backed his coach and GM and said, basically, we. Our coaching staff and our administration have my full support. What does Kevin Durant want here? All right. He wanted to come to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie. They brought him to Brooklyn. He wanted Steve Nash to be the head coach. They brought in Steve Nash to be the head coach. He wanted James Harden to be signed by the Nets. Let's bring in our, our, you know, these, these super teams usually run in three. You got threes, right? LeBron. Uh, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade, a threesome. you got to have three on these championship teams. So you bring in James Harden. You bring in an out-of-shape James Harden, if you remember. It doesn't work out in Brooklyn. Not enough balls to go around for Kyrie, Kevin, and James. So you ship him off at the request, again, of Kevin Durant. we got to get rid of James Harden. He's killing us. They take on Ben Simmons. A nightmare in order to get rid of James Harden and please Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant wanted to come to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving. Apparently, Kyrie Irving only wanted to play road games because he would not get vaccinated. He only wanted to play road games during the regular season. And now the the Nets have called the bluff here. They've called KD's bluff. KD's bluff is either get me out of town or fire the coach and general manager. That's it. Even though I got four years left on my contract, and I really shouldn't be able to make a demand like that, that's what I'm doing. But the Nets have called the bluff. We stand behind our coach. We stand behind our GM. What does Kevin Durant do? What does he want? He wants out of Brooklyn. And he figured this is the best way to get out now. I've talked to them. I've requested a trade. Nothing seems to be happening. So now I'm just going to tell him I'm not going to play for Steve Nash. 
and I'm not going to play under the direction of, of Sean Marks, the general manager. That's my next move. That'll get them to trade me. The Nets don't have to trade him. They don't have to trade Kyrie Irving. He's got one year left on his deal. Bring the band back together. Angry or not, they've still got talent. If you trade Kyrie Irving, and the only suitor right now is now is the Lakers, and it's hard to see that getting done. The Lakers want to unload Russell Westbrook. The Nets don't want Russell Westbrook. There's going to have to be a third team get involved, and so far nobody's come forward to be involved in a three-way trade here. So if you do trade Kyrie and you do trade Kevin Durant, likely to Boston or Miami, what do you got left? Ben Simmons, is he on the uh, on the opening day program in Brooklyn? Ben Simmons, who hasn't played in two full seasons? Here he is on the cover of the program. Come and get your season tickets and see Ben Simmons maybe play. Maybe he's going to play this year. We think he's going to play. This is Ben's team. That's not what the Brooklyn Nets want. And that's certainly not what they signed up for when they agreed to bring Kevin Durant to town to to pair up with Kyrie Irving. The inmates are running the asylum here. This is what happens now. You're unhappy with your contract? You got two, three years left? Doesn't matter. You request a trade. You demand a trade. You say you're not going to play. And then it comes to a head, and we see who wins here. I don't think Kevin Durant is a guy that would sit out. I don't. He seems to love the game of basketball. I don't think if the Nets don't trade him and if the Nets don't get rid of their head coach and GM, I don't think Kevin Durant sits out training camp and sits out part of the season. He's going to play. He wants to play. He missed playing when he had the Achilles injury. But he wants to run the asylum. He wants to. He's a prisoner who wants to run the jail instead of the warden. That's what he he feels like a prisoner. But the prisoners don't run the jail. They don't run the prison. That's not how it works. Now, if you're Brooklyn and you can get Jalen Brown from the Celtics still for Ky, for uh, Kevin Durant, maybe a couple of draft picks also, maybe a a you know. A, a uh, sub substitute player, a part-time player, an ancillary player like uh, Grant Williams, somebody like that. Maybe you make the move if you're Brooklyn. Because the longer this drags out, a month from now, the price is going to go down. Because you you don't have any takers for Kevin Durant. If you're the Miami Heat, what do you offer the Brooklyn Nets at this point? We'll give you Duncan Robinson and, I don't know, maybe Tyler Hero a draft pick for Kevin Durant. You're not going any higher than that. You're not doing any more than that because the price is going to go down the longer we go go on here, the longer the Nets wait. If I'm the Nets right now, if Boston is still dangling Jalen Brown, I jump at it. And if I'm Boston, I'm not sure I want to dangle Jalen Brown. He's got two years left on his contract. He certainly after what he's been through in Boston, probably not going to re-sign with the Celtics. He wants to be the star of his own team. And as long as Jason Tatum is in Boston, Jalen Brown is always going to be the number two guy. So if you're Brooklyn and Jalen Brown is still available, you make the trade. 
Now, I'm a Celtic fan. I don't want them to make that trade. But the Celtics seem like they want to get Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown. They seem like that's what they want. All right, we'll take a break. Bengals have a new home stadium name. Finally, they, they sold the rights to the naming, naming the stadium. Live Golf, are they getting a couple more golfers? And will those two guys play this weekend? John Hale from the Lexington Herald Leader on the other side. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline open 384-1450, 384-1450. Or the Thornton's text line open as well. Get your text to the show at 502-414-1450. I'll talk about this a little later, but uh, I'm excited. Tonight's the night. Hard Knocks training camp with the Detroit Lions starts 10 o'clock on HBO. Let's go to the M&M Cartage Hotline, bring in John Hale, Lexington Herald leader beat writer for UK Athletics. How are you, John? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I guess first and foremost, congratulations on the move. You're now working. Uh, you probably got your own office now, right? <laughs> Not quite, but thanks. Uh, Still you know, working out of the home actually, office? Yeah, the Herald leader actually moved buildings a couple, about a year ago. And so it's, it's like a, a communal workspace downtown, <laughs> but I am working out of the home office mostly. Uh, apparently it didn't mean you got to go to the Bahamas though, right? No. Um, the new job is mostly focused on football, so I don't think I would have ever been on the list, but, uh, unfortunately that was, that was not the case. Well, let's talk a little basketball first, if you don't mind. Um, what's Cal looking for out of this, uh, four game trek in the Bahamas? Let's see. What's he want to yeah. see out of his team? I mean, obviously at this point, nobody, he's not going to get too upset about, you know, the way they're playing or, you know, what their, you know, in-season form looks like or anything like that. But I, I assume there's some things he's tinkering around with that he just wants to see in a, you know, game-like situation. Part of that's going to be individual improvements of guys. You know, like, what does a guy like C.J. Frederick look like? How healthy is he? How I'm sure he's going to be on a very strict minutes limit this week. But, you know, is he able to go out there and contribute? Uh, a guy like Chris Livingston, what's his best position? Can we play him in a few different positions and see kind of what works best? And then schematically, I'm sure there are a few things he wants to try out there with lineup combinations and different people. But it's a chance for these guys we've been hearing buzz about in the summer, the Jacob Toppins, the Damian Collins of the world, to see if they can you know, replicate any sort of improvements they've made in you know, somewhat game-like situations. You hear about this every year when when a guy doesn't go to the NBA draft and he comes back, there's always one guy that, oh, my gosh, he's, he's improved so much. He's lighting it up. That's what we're hearing about Jacob Toppin. How true is this? And, uh, I mean, I guess we'll find out this week. But uh, how, how good has he been in practice so far? I mean, I think it's definitely an improvement, and so much of it for him is about confidence level. I think he's obviously, when you've seen him on the court the last couple of years at times, a guy who really knows his limitations and realizes that you know he didn't have the offensive game where you go take over games, and so maybe he was a little passive you know, at moments. So I think going to the NBA workouts, working out with his brother, Obi Toppin of the Knicks, uh, playing against other high-level draft prospects really taught him that you know he can add some of those things to the game. He can do them, and so the indications we've gotten from coaches and his teammates have been he's been much more confident, much more assertive. And so I'm interested to see this week 
how that translates to games is you looking for a shot, which is something we can't really say we've ever seen from Jacob Toppin in Kentucky before. Yeah, the the rumor mill says he's shooting three pointers. Do you believe that, or have you seen that? No, I mean we. I mean they put out some of those highlight videos, obviously, and he's made some of that, but they're not going to put out highlight videos of them missing three. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, the word we got a couple weeks ago from when we talked to Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman one day. Uh, Chin made the point that that's definitely something that's in his arsenal now that he uh, that he can do. But we were telling them don't fall in love with the three, like the three love the drive basically is their thing. So they they're like we want to sh- you to show that you can do that. They need him to be able to stretch the floor at the four spot that helps their spacing everywhere else. But don't go out there and shoot five or six threes a game. Make sure that you're concentrating on getting to the rim and, and you know being in the paint and doing those things that, that they know he can do too. I would love to see a team social media put out a guy, well, here's here's a guy going the two for ten from three. You're not going to see that. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, just, I would love to see that. Collins threes that are out there. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> that they make a couple in practice and they'll probably make a couple in games this year, but uh, just because you make one on a highlight video doesn't mean you're suddenly a 40% three-point shooter. Lance Ware didn't take place in the uh, the scrimmage, the uh, flood relief scrimmage the other day. Is is he going to play this week? I haven't heard that he's not, but you know it's it's always kind of hit or miss. I feel like four years ago when we ran the Bahamas for this, there were some guys who uh, didn't play at various times. Obviously, eight years ago, that 38-no team, uh, I think Trey Lyles and Alex Poitras or uh, maybe it was Trey Lyles and Willie Collie Stein were injured, so they didn't play very much. So it seems like always there's one or two guys who are limited or you know not available. And so it's the good thing that it's August. It's not November. And so if he's not available this week, I don't think that means much for the season. And you mentioned C.J. Frederick on a pitch count, right? That's my understanding. I mean, obviously I'm not there, but I saw Kyle Tucker, the athletic, is in the Bahamas right now, and he tweeted he was around the team yesterday and said that he'd be on a – on a strict pitch count, which makes sense. There's no reason to risk him, especially considering how last season went where, you know, he was practicing, then he hurt the foot and he had or the leg and had surgery. Then he came back and was practicing again and he hurt the hamstring, then he was out, and then he came back and warm ups literally before the season opener, he tore his hamstring and missed the entire season. So he has this track record of, you know, coming back and then getting hurt again. So you, you want to make sure that you're super cautious with him at this point of the year. Talking to John Hale, Lexington Herald leader, beat reporter for Kentucky. All right, Dominican Republic national team, Tech de Monterey, Carleton University, and Bahamas national team. Do we have any idea the level of competition here this week? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I have heard people say that the Carleton University, the team from Canada, is actually, I mean, in, as far as Canadian college basketball goes, they, I think they won their national championship a few years. So uh, they were, you know, somewhat good. I mean, they're probably a veteran group who have played together. I don't know how that translates. Are they a Division two level opponent? Uh, you know, I don't know, a, a Division three team in, in terms of, you know, U.S. college basketball? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I will say that I mean a lot of these teams do have older guys though. Some right. you know most of them are like professionals who are obviously not good enough to play in the NBA and or whatever. And the both teams that came to the Bahamas you know had some issues at times because it's so early in the calendar. I mean the thirty eight and one team lost their last game in the Bahamas to the Dominican Republic coached by Orlando Antigua. That was a team that was trying to get ready for the World Cup. So uh, it would not shock me if even if they're not great teams if these games are a little closer than, you know, you would expect on paper. Football season's right around the corner. Uh, You were at uh, UK's Media Days last week. Uh, No mention, or at least no comments, on uh, Chris Rodriguez. So what have we learned, if anything? Because it felt like the coaching staff didn't want to talk about it. 
I think what we've learned so far in the first week of camp is that his status is up in the air. I mean, um, the interesting part is no one at UK has confirmed whether this much talked about other issue is a thing or not. Yeah, we know about the DUI charge. We know he pled guilty to a DUI charge this summer. But other than that, I mean, everyone is is speculating that there's something else going on, but they have not talked about it. I think based on the way the first week has played out, Mark Stoops obviously didn't want to talk about SEC media days. He declined to talk about it last week. Saturday's open practice at Fan Day. We saw Chris Rodriguez out there. He was taking some first-team reps, but they were splitting those first-team reps really amongst all the running backs, which I don't think would be the case if he was guaranteed to go out there and have the workload he wants. So to me, that means there's some other – decision hanging out there that I, I honestly don't think they know yet whether or not he's going to be available or if there is something from above or from somewhere else that is going to dictate his availability and until they do there's really nothing for them to say which is understandable but what we know right now is they're looking at all those other running backs where Skangarello said on media day one of the biggest things that will come of this camp is who from that other group, group of other running backs emerges and takes on you know the bulk of the carries if anybody does. So I think that's a big storyline until we hear otherwise. Will Levis is a big story, and everybody you know a Heisman candidate possibly. But in my, it feels to me like this defense is going to be the bigger unit on this team more than the offense. Am I am I wrong in that? No, I think that's probably fair. I mean, that's their identity, that since they've gotten to this part where the program has gotten much better, that you kind of have this baseline for a Mark Stoops defense every year. I mean, schematically, they, they play a certain way on defense that, um, you know, it, it covers up some of their deficiencies, so they're willing to give up some of those dink and dunk plays, and, and as long as they keep you from giving up the big plays, and that's kind of how they worked thought it was really interesting that Brad White on media day brought up the fact that we talk about that 2018 defense as one of the two or three best defenses in program history. And they've got three guys still who played significant snaps there, you know, and Jordan Wright, DeAndre Square, and, and Tyrell Agent. And so having those super seniors back is a big deal, especially that second level at linebacker looks really stacked. Yeah, um, There are questions in terms of both on the defensive line and in the secondary. You know, we don't – none of those guys are proven. But you're at a point where, especially on the defensive line, now you've got that junior class who are going to be counted on so heavily. Those guys were all four- and five-star recruits three years ago and were so hyped. They're higher-rated recruits than the players that they're replacing now. Same what, you know, Somewhat the same in the secondary, especially. They added these four transfers in the summer who have experience at college football uh, to fill in some holes. So um, I think they certainly have the potential to be really good on defense. The I'm sure the fact that we, you know, some of them are unproven at this point is is kind of the one lingering question there. Uh, you can go to Kentucky dot com or LexingtonHeraldLeader dot com and read John's stuff. Uh, I found it very interesting. You said ten or more freshmen could contribute. You did a story on Kentucky dot com, LexingtonHeraldLeader, where five you named. Give me one. I don't want to ruin the whole story. I want people to go pay for it, obviously. But give me give me the number, the top freshman that you think is going to make a huge impact. Well, I mean, the obvious choice is Dayton Key, the wide receiver. I mean, he's basically a starter at this point to have him locked in as a starter. He was here for spring, so it, it almost feels like he doesn't even count as one of these freshmen because he was here for the spring. He was the star of the spring game at SEC Media Days. Well, Webb yeah. said he's a starter. I mean, that's just he's just one of their starters at wide receiver right now. So if we're taking Dane out of the picture, yes. I mean, I think I think you look at um, Barryon Brown, the other receiver who is already kind of turning heads with the speed and his deep threat. The pra- open practice we saw Saturday, he had one really nice deep ball. Apparently, the first day last week on Wednesday, he had another one. 
he's going to play a lot. I think the real question is whether he can possibly take that other receiver starting job from Demarcus Harris by the by the start of the season, or if it's going to be closer to a timeshare. So, wide receiver, they need those young guys to play. Those two for sure are going to play, and it wouldn't even shock me if if Jordan Anthony, the track star, also plays significant snaps. So that's that's really the position where I think a bunch of freshmen are going to contribute. Is the Big Blue Wall still the Big Blue Wall? I think that you know that's probably something we haven't talked enough about this first week. Is I have sensed some hesitation in terms of some things that they're still kind of working through some issues there. On media day, they got in both Will Levis and Rich Gangarello and, and Mark Stoops. All three of them got asked about the offensive tackles. Uh, whether they change anything with two new guys there, and they all express confidence in those guys saying, yeah, we're, we're fine, we're gonna, we like those guys, they're going to surprise some people. And I think that's true, but those are two pretty big question marks coming in, not having either of your tackles a sure thing. And it does feel like the depth is still in development there. Uh, Will Levis was pretty upfront Saturday and said that back in spring, they really struggled on the offensive line early in the year, and then they kind of found their groove by the end of spring practice, and they've carried that over since then. But they're going to do some different things. I mean, Rich Scangarello is going to emphasize the wide zone run game, which is something that Liam Cohen wanted to do last year, and then he got here and realized his personnel and his offensive line coach weren't comfortable with that, and so they changed. But that's not going to be the case. They're going to implement it this year, and, and it wouldn't shock me if there are some bumps along the road as, as the linemen really kind of master that part of the game. Were you surprised that uh, Kentucky was picked by the media to finish second in the East? I mean, a little bit, just because it seems like the narrative coming out of media, SEC media days every summer is, you know, we're not getting respect. we got a chip on our shoulder. That's what players are always saying there. Uh, and so to come out and just say, yeah, they're second, and then yesterday the coaches voted on 21st in the country. Yeah. Um, it's it's. I think it's warranted. I mean, I think that says, especially the East part of it, it says more about the state of the East than anything else. I think everyone thinks the gap between Kentucky and Georgia or whoever you want to pick second in the East is very, very large. And we haven't seen anything to, you know, change our minds on that. But I don't, I mean, I can't really come up with a reason to pick a different uh, SEC East team ahead of Kentucky. I mean, Tennessee is probably the closest argument. They beat Kentucky a year ago. They've got a really good quarterback coming back. But I think overall, Kentucky has more talent and more experience. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I picked them second. And so I, it feels like that's the right spot. All right, back to basketball quickly uh, before I let you go. Did we have any idea before the uh, open practice that Gonzaga was on the radar to be a home-and-home series? Well, I mean, the buzz had started a little bit, you know, the days before, but it certainly wasn't a long-term thing. It's it's interesting because John Calipari he tweeted something about, like, I didn't want to go there first, but I, I, I did that. I was willing to do that to make it work. Well, that's just not true because <laughs> the reason they're playing Gonzaga is the, the schedule change. So, Louisville, because they did not play last year, you push it back a year, and so now Louisville's at home this season, and the Big 12 SEC Challenge is at home. So that means in the opposite years, both those games are on the road. And so now you have to come up with two marquee home opponents for next season's schedule, and the only way you're going to get that is to play home-and-homes with people, because no other marquee team, a team that would excite fans and would get you know, would be a reasonable replacement for Louisville and whatever, you know, Kansas or West Virginia or Baylor, whatever Big 12 team you play, is the quality of program who's going to demand a home game in return. And so that's just what they, they, they had to do one of those this year. And, and he had talked to Gonzaga even during the pandemic year. There was that rumor at the end of the season they were going to try and squeeze in another game to try and, you know, as a desperate attempt to get a quality win. And then they were so bad it didn't matter. And then last year there was some talk that, Maybe Gonzaga would fill in for the 
uh, the the CBS Sports game when yeah. it looked like that was falling apart. So they have been talking for a while. Mark Few and, and John Calipari are friends. It felt like it was going to happen, but you know it did seem like it came together pretty quickly at this point of the year. Cal's going to learn a lot about his team in the uh, pre-SEC season. That's a that's a tough tough looking schedule. Big Blue Nation should be ecstatic about it, right? No, absolutely. I mean, and I think to Cal's credit, the schedule is always good. It's the home schedule that right. people have had a reason to complain about. And this year, you can't because you got well at home. You've got Kansas at home. And I'm sure they're going to be some sort of you know mid-major kind of program as as another home game in that you know that same window that they're going to add when the rest of the schedule comes out. But you throw in those two home games with Gonzaga on the road, the neutral site games, and you know the CBS Classic, the ESPN Classic, and against Michigan and London. That's a really really good schedule, and you know he's got a veteran team, so they're going to be tested. John, congrats on your new gig. Uh, enjoy uh, the upcoming football season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. John Hale from the Lexington Herald Leader. That's hard for me to say because uh, I got used to saying the other thing. Uh, Lexington Herald Leader beat writer, and he mentioned to me there, and I didn't know this, mostly focusing on football. So we'll have John on throughout the fall to uh, talk about Mark Stoops' team, what happened in games, upcoming games, what uh, is going to happen. The Chris Rodriguez saga continues. I, I was told he was practicing. But again, the coaching staff does not want to address if there's a, spe- a suspension, how long it's going to be, if he even plays at all, and what this other issue is. We, we, as John pointed out, we know about the DUI. We know that it was settled. Um, we know, you know the punishment that came with that, but we don't know what this other outstanding issue is. And... Um, Kentucky's doing their best to keep it under wraps. It, it, you know, I've heard, and this is certainly um, just scuttlebutt. This I have no sources here, but I've heard it has something to do with the NIL and uh, maybe an NIL deal he signed that Kentucky's not happy about. But whatever it is, you know, we're three weeks away from the season, three and a half weeks away from the season, and we don't even know if he's going to play in the opener. I, I would be shocked if Chris Rodriguez played in the opener. Now, the good news is you got a great quarterback. You've got what we think is a decent offensive line. you got some good receivers that are going to try to get come together and fill in for Wandale Robinson, who uh, you know went to the pros. And um, you know, you got some other decent running backs, Shaton McClain, Cavassier Smoke. you got some guys that can step in there, but Chris Rodriguez was a different animal. Once he quit fumbling the football, he was – you didn't tackle him behind the line of scrimmage. He always got positive yardage. Um, just great out of the backfield. And what a luxury that is. But sure would like to know some uh, some different, different news. We haven't heard anything about this in a long time. And uh, I think it's it would behoove the program and the coaching staff for a little bit of transparency here. And I understand – it's a personal issue. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, whatever it is, may not want it out. I, I'm fine with that. I get that. But you got to give us something at some point because we're getting really close to the regular season getting underway. I will take a break. Found a very interesting high school sports, high school football story. Um, Tony Burke sent it to me, but I'd already seen it. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. On the other side, also some baseball news as well. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.
Spears on Sports, presented by m M&M and John Spears in studio. Final segment on this Tuesday. Thornton's text line still open, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 in the grand prize at the end of the summer of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app, click on the Summer Cash Bash icon, you are entered to win. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, hot dogs, and Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. That's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, become one today. Text REWARDS to 80313. That's 80313. Text the word REWARDS. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Texter says, do we have any idea who's playing for the Dominican Republic? I'd like to see Oscar take care of Horford. Is that Tito Horford or Al Horford? I don't think either one of them is going to be playing uh, for the Dominican national team. No, we have no idea. Tomorrow night, Kentucky and the Dominican national team, 7 o'clock, SEC Network. And look, if you're Big Blue Nation, you're not watching to see who's playing for the Dominican Republic or Carleton University or the Bahamas national team. You're looking to see what your guys look like. I don't think Lance Ware is going to play. They're going to be careful with this injury that's hampered him for quite a while now. C.J. Frederick, from all indication, is going to play. I wonder about the shooters on this team. We know Severe Wheeler is not a great shooter. Jacob Toppin, they're saying he's taking threes, but he's not known as a shooter. Oscar, Oscar's not, uh, you know, 15 foot, I'm good. 18 feet, I got a little issue. C.J. Frederick's going to have to log some serious regular season minutes here. He might be, he's going to be the best shooter on the team. I just hope if you're a big blue nation, you're hopefully he's not the only shooter on the team. All right, baseball uh, yesterday, not a big slate, only seven games. Yankees did break their five-game losing streak. They won at Seattle 9-4. to Aaron Judge hit his 44th home run. Um, he's, he's the American League most valuable player. It's that simple. And he can do nothing the rest of the year, and he's going to be the A almost valuable player. The worrisome part here for the Yankees is that they picked up Andrew Benintendi from Kansas City at the trade deadline. He finally got a couple of hits last night, but I think he was one for his first 30 with the Yankees. They picked him up to play the outfield. Now they've lost Matt Carpenter to a broken foot last night. He was playing right field a lot for the Yankees. Judge is playing center field. Giancarlo Stanton, who was playing some outfield, is still out. They do have Aaron Hicks back in the lineup, but uh, it's a Yankee team that is struggling right now, not scoring a lot of runs. They did finally put up nine last night. They'll be at Seattle again tonight. Uh, Three shutouts out of seven games last night. I mean, the ball's just, other than when Aaron Judge hits it, it just doesn't go anywhere. Two one-nothing games last night. Angels beat Oakland and San Francisco over the Padres. Padres... They are struggling. One win since the trade for Juan Soto and Josh Bell and Josh Hader, for that matter. I think they're one and six, one and five. They got to right the ship. Uh, the Reds, I mentioned, lost to the Mets five to one. Uh, Reds and Mets at it again tonight, seven ten. Mike Miner for the Reds. He's one and eight with a six nineteen earn run average. And Carlos Carrasco for the Mets tonight, 12 and 4, 382. The good news for the Reds in this three game set, they don't get to face Scherzer or DeGrom. But it didn't matter last night, probably won't matter tonight. 
And what, since they've traded Louis Castillo, by the way, that's a great matchup in Seattle tonight. Louis Castillo for the Mariners and Garrett Cole for the Yankees. Uh, since they traded Castillo and Mally, the starting rotation in Cincinnati, it's a guy named Graham Ashcraft who's been really good and a bunch of guys you never heard of. That's the rotation now. I still don't think they lose 100, Ed. I still don't think they lose 100. Uh, speaking of baseball news, uh, Chris Sale, who was supposed to be a huge part of that Red Sox starting rotation, he's out for the year now. So Sale was out with an abdominal strain for most of the first half of the season. He pitched, he got two starts when he came back. In his second start, he took a line drive that fractured his pinky finger on his pitching hand. So he's out, he's rehabbing. Then he gets on his bicycle, decides to take a bike ride. He falls off the bike, breaks his right non-throwing wrist, and he is now out for the rest of 2022. Wrist surgery, right wrist surgery, non-throwing for uh, Chris Sale. Doesn't matter. I said this right after the All-Star break. The Red Sox are done. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, I said the same thing about Seattle. One of those two is probably going to make the playoffs, but I'm going to go Toronto, Tampa Bay, Baltimore as my three uh, wild card teams added to the Yankees, the Astros, and whoever wins the Central. But Chris Sale now out for the rest of the season. All right. This is not funny news, okay? This is not meant to be spiteful or hilarious in any way. But I read this story today. Eric Crawford uh, tweeted it out. He wrote a story on WDRB.com. Uh, longtime Louisville sportscaster files lawsuit against Trinity over football game injury. Now, if you know the story, you know the story. Fred Calgill, who's been at WLKY Channel 32 as the sports uh, director, was covering a game August 20th last year. Trinity and Carmel of Indiana. It was the opener. It was a first game of new head coach Jay Cobb in, in, at Trinity. Big game, big crowd. Fred Calgill is a, got run, run over by running back Armand Tucker and had some serious leg injuries, including a dislocated patella. Uh, and he had surgery. He's been rehabbing for a long time. I saw him. I saw Fred last week after the uh, Cardinal, uh, the U of L media scramble out at the Cardinal Club. I went out afterward uh, to have lunch with uh, with all the people out there. Didn't get to play, but I went out and hung out for a little while. And I got, I got talking to Fred. He didn't mention to me that he was going to sue Trinity. But he did talk to me about the incident. I asked him how he was doing. And he did say, you know, it's been tough. I'm finally getting to play golf again. Finally, uh, you know, back at work. Actually feel like I can do some work. But he also mentioned to me that he felt that Trinity did not have enough room on the sideline. Now, I was a sideline reporter before I was a play-by-play guy. Did it for a number of years covering St. X football. And there are certain places where there's plenty of room. St. X is one of those. They've got a track around the football field before there's a fence. Trinity doesn't have a track. The fence is 10 feet, 12 feet off the field. And apparently that night, there were a lot of people inside that fence. So Fred Calgill's claim is that, look, I couldn't get out of the way. I'm holding my camera. Here comes the play. There were so many people around me 
that I could not physically get out of the way. And he is blaming Trinity High School for allowing all of these people onto the inside the fences there, on the sideline. You got a Trinity High School team that's got a number of players, probably 60, 80 players maybe, a bunch of coaches, and then you've got people that just come in and are allowed to walk inside the fence. Alumni, special, former players, things like that. You've got four television stations with cameras coming. And I remember Fred told me Kent Spencer from Channel 11 was standing right next to him when he got run over. And it could have been Kent Spencer. It could have been any, any of those guys. Now, again, this is not funny, but if you're Fred Calgill, you know what you're getting into here. You know when you walk into that stadium with your camera and you walk inside that, that fence, you know there's a chance. I never got run over in my sideline. And I, I did a lot of games when St. X's home field was manual stadium. Same thing. The fence is about 10 or 12 feet from the sideline, from, from the actual being in play. And luckily, there were a few instances where there was a big old ugly, a big old lineman coming right at me or a, a, a well-put-together running back, and the big bear got out of the way. I'll tell you that right now. And maybe he couldn't get out of the way. Maybe there were too many people. I, f- I feel like this lawsuit is frivolous. I do. I don't blame Trinity here. Yes, maybe they shouldn't have allowed all these alumni and former players inside the fences. And maybe it was too crowded. I'll, I'll grant you that. Maybe there were too many people inside the fence. But I feel like as a sports reporter carrying a camera and a microphone and filming on the sideline, this is the danger inherent in doing that job. You know your surroundings. You can get to a spot where the play is not coming near you, right? You can be behind the quarterback. You don't have to be at the goal line when they're running a sweep to your side and the guy's trying to get in the end zone. I hope... Fred is okay. I think Fred is okay. I saw him last week, as I mentioned. He was golfing. Looked like he was in great spirits. And look, I don't think this, I don't know that this is a money grab. The lawsuit uh, says that the area was occupied by more than 100 players and coaches, other reporters, field officials, sideline chain crew, and other onlookers who were, quote, limiting space outside the inbounds playing surface and inside the fence, leaving little, if any, room for a reporter to escape athletes who were engaged in playing the game as they ran at full speed towards sideline during the course of play, end quote. It was a serious knee injury. As I mentioned, dislocated patella. Had to go to the hospital. Had to be transported to the hospital. Had to have major surgery. I'm not blaming the school here. I'm blaming the agility of the reporter to not be able to get out of the way. That's it. Um, Again, I'm sure, I know Fred, and I'm sure his intentions are not evil in any way here. But you can't win this lawsuit. (laughs) You just can't. Ah, I'm glad I'm up in the booth now. That sideline's rough. Tony Burke joins me in studio tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk about this some more. Thanks for listening. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Axe.